Job chapter number 7. And uh, I'm going to read verses 8 through 21 and uh, focus in on a couple of verses as we get in here to kind of develop a theme. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this text. But, um, and I will warn you as we get into this, this is not very encouraging, okay? This is not one of the encouraging parts of the Bible as we get in here. Job chapter number 7, beginning verse number 8. The eye of him that hath seen me shall see me no more. Thine eyes are upon me, and I am not. As the cloud is consumed and vanished, uh, vanished away, so he that goeth down to the grave shall come up no more. He shall return no more to his house, neither shall his place know him any more. Therefore I will not refrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Am I a sea or a well that thou settest a watch over me? When I say, my bed shall comfort me, my couch shall ease my complaint, then thou scarest me with dreams and terrifies me through visions, so that my soul chooseth strangling and death rather than my life. I loathe it. That's talking about his life. I would not live always. Let me alone, for my days are vanity. Verse 17. What is man that thou shouldest magnify him, and that thou shouldest set thine heart upon him? and that thou shouldest visit him every morning and try him every moment. How long wilt thou not depart from me, nor let me alone till I swallow down my spittle? I have sinned. What shall I do unto thee, O thou preserver of men? Why hast thou set me as a mark against thee, so that I, I am a burden to myself? And why dost thou not pardon my transgression and take away mine iniquity? For now shall I sleep in the dust, and thou shalt seek me in the morning, but I shall not be. Our text here from the book of Job. Remember Job, man who lost everything. Uh, we've had hard times. I don't think any of us can say we've been anywhere close to where Job was. Lost his wealth, lost his family, lost his health. His friends, and we put air quotes around those, came to try to get to the bottom of his misfortune. And chapter after chapter, you have this deal where one of his friends is so very helpful, basically saying something along the lines of, Job, you sinned, you need to repent. And Job's saying, oh, I really didn't. Uh, and it's a whole you know, multitude of chapters, dozens of chapters here going through this process of getting to the bottom of, of what Job's uh, problem is. Until at the end, where God finally reveals himself to Job. Job humbles himself, and, and, and we kind of get a resolution to it. But here in the last part of this chapter, and I warned you, it's not a very happy, encouraging part of the Bible. Job is Job's having a pity party right here. I mean, can you blame him? Look at what he's been through. Look at how helpful his friends were. Look how helpful his wife was. Curse God and die. I mean, this guy is in bad shape. You look at his despair there in verse 16. I loathe my, you know, it, my life. Talking about his life. I loathe my life. I would not live all the way. I don't want to keep going. Leave me alone for my days are vain. It's like there's nothing. I hate my life. Leave me alone. I'm worthless. You ever felt that way? You ever felt that way? Verse uh, 17 there and 18, there's a kind of an age-old question there. What is man that thou shouldest magnify him, that thou shouldest set thine heart upon him? God, why do you even care about us? That thou shouldest visit him every morning, try him every morning. Why, why do you pick on us, God? 
Why don't you just leave us alone? He's accusing God right here. You ever, you ever done that? You ever been in a place you've gone through something like, God, why are you doing this to me? This is one of those scriptures we can relate to, but it's not the whole story. This is just the human side. It's acknowledging how we feel, but this is not the full truth. It's expressing human feebleness in a way we can understand. I can sum it all up by saying, God, do you really care about me? Job's asking it right here. I've asked it. I'm sure you've had a time in your life, maybe going through it now, where you say, oh, I've, I've asked that myself. Like, God, what are you doing? God, do you really even care? I was shaking this week, and then uh, a few days ago, I guess it was Thursday, I guess. Was it Friday? What? Oh, it was Thursday. It involves my dad. Uh, my dad called me. I was up here. Um, I don't remember what I was in the middle of at the time, but he called me. And uh, it was, he was out working over off Lancaster Street there in North Fort Worth and um, pulled up to one of the locations, one of the gas well sites he, that he helped service. And pulls up there, and as he pulls up, there's a bunch of cop cars over there to the side. And uh, usually, if I was out, Working the old fellas, usually fine. I go somewhere else. I just, you know, I don't want to be in the middle of anything. But he pulled up, and, and one of the police officers came over and was talking to him. And um, there were some security camera things there on that site, and they were asking, you know, who do we talk to? We need to, you know, see those if we can. And anyway, the, the officer said, well, you know what happened? And my dad's like, no, I just pulled up. I'm just working. I don't have an idea what happened. Well, it turned out right there next to that well site that uh, a, a man had committed suicide, had hung himself in a tree right there. And if that's not tragic enough, and that is a tragedy, any loss of human life. But he left a note, and I'm not going to get this exactly right, but this note, what it said, basically boils down to three statements, and it, it just it broke my heart to hear these. Basically, what he left said these three things. I have nothing. I am nothing. I leave nothing. I've been haunted by those since my dad was sharing those with me. I actually sent that to Brother Green. I saw Brother Griffin shared that on Facebook. I said, because I thought about him. And I thought, but that, that's right in his character right there in his neck of the woods where, where they do a lot of their work. How sad for a human being to get so down, so depressed, so desperate to feel that they have nothing, that they are nothing, and that their life amounts to nothing. Friends, I, I know what it's like to be adrift in the depths of depression. I, I know what that's like. Been there. I can understand how you can feel that statements like that may be true. But I've got news for every man, woman, child that feels hopeless. You may feel like you have nothing, but that is not true. You may feel like you are nothing, but that is not true. You may feel like you do not matter, that your life will leave no impact on this earth, but that is not true. These were some of the greatest lies Satan would have you to believe. 
and he will ensnare you. He will trap you in these. He'll suck all the life out of you, all your joy with these things. But here's the thing. Those three statements left as a testimony of a dying, desperate man. They're all lies. Every one of them is a lie. The Bible clearly tells us that we have much more than nothing. It tells us we have uh, that we are much more than nothing. And it tells us that our lives count for much more than nothing. It's a dark world out there today. People are grasping for hope. And I think that's behind a lot of this confusion, the stuff that's going on right now, a, a lot of this movement stuff that's going on um, in our society. I think that's a lot of it. People are grasping for something. And they're being told lies. Oh, here's the solution. That's not the solution. They're being told lies. But they're grasping for hope. But here's the thing. I've got the hope I need right here. I've got what I need. God tells us what we need right here. I've got, we've got the message that everyone in this world needs. Is a human soul worthless? That's the question I want to address this morning. By the way, you think, well, that's a, you realize Job is, I think it's the oldest book in the Bible. I think it, it dates back probably to the time close to Abraham. I, I believe firmly that it's the oldest book in the Bible. And the oldest book in the Bible asks the same question. Am I worthless? Does God care? But let me tell you this morning, we can answer that in the light of God's word. And I think I can convince you, I hope I can, that we are more valuable than we can imagine. The first thing I want to say is, a human soul is valuable because of who created it. The human soul is valuable because of who created it. Y'all know I've come to enjoy painting. I enjoy doing that. Um, somebody asked me, well, what happened to all your paintings? I was like, well, I threw a bunch of them away. <laughs> said, Why? I said, because they weren't any good. They were bad. Those real early ones. I kind of wish I'd kept the very first one. It was bad. But I, I kind of wish I'd kept it. Uh, some of them I, I've given away. I've been fortunate enough to, to sell a few. And I mean, we raised a little money for camp with that. Um, Lee Davis finally paid me for his. Uh, he hadn't picked it up yet. But anyway, uh, you know, most of the time with those, I, I'm, I, I feel myself less. Man, 100 bucks for a paper? <laughs> hey, I think, man, I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, that's what grandma pays me. She needs she needs more walls in her house for paintings, by the way. Um, but I, I'm basically resigned to the fact that I'm not going to be able to retire. I'm not going to be a Picasso or a Monet or, you know, any of these guys. I mean, I just, I am who I am. I enjoy it. Uh, but my paintings are not worth a lot. Why? Because I painted them. <laughs> but not all paintings are worthless. I did a little looking up, and I, I'm, I'm old, I got... Illustrations. We're going to chase some rabbits on these illustrations. On November 9th, my birthday, by the way, November 9th, 2022, in Christie's uh, auction place up there in New York, they sold a Van Gogh painting for $117 million, a record for one of his paintings. The most expensive painting ever sold at auction, November 15th, 2017, it was a picture of a, a painting by Leonardo da Vinci. $450 million for that painting. 
Now, why are those paintings so much more valuable than mine? Because I painted mine, <laughs> and Vincent Van Gogh and Leonardo da Vinci painted those. Who made the painting makes a difference. You want to talk about being made, though, by a famous master? Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. And God said, let us, that's God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. The master, the great creator, made us. How can we be worthless? If God himself created us. He doesn't make junk. He doesn't make mistakes. <laughs> and by the way, I think if you read the scriptures, we are his masterpiece. The humans are the, the, the apex of creation. The stars, the moon, the mountains, all those things, they pale in comparison. By the way, you know, well, we're going to get into more of this. I want to get ahead of myself there. But first off, I want to realize that the human soul is valuable because of who created it. Second, I want to say a human soul is valuable because of the battle fought for it. Did a little looking up. I like history. I'll know that. During World War II, in the Pacific Theater, there were bloody battles fought over just small little specks of land. We had the, the world map up here during the Missions Month, and I, they're not on that world map. <laughs> just tiny little specks of land out there. But legendary battles were fought for. The Battle of Midway was, was considered a pretty major engagement. Uh, according to what I read, about 300 Americans died and about 3,000 Japanese in that battle, in the legendary battle, Battle of Midway. All this for a little atoll, you know, a little, little group of little islands there, for 2.4 square miles of land. Over 3,000 people died for 2.4 square miles of land. I tried to get a good picture to just put that in mind because I'm not good at visualizing things like that, but that's basically the size of Springtown, the city limits of Springtown. So go down to Springtown and look at it and say, 3,000 people died for this much dirt. The Battle of Iwo Jima, legendary, saw almost 7,000 Americans, maybe 18,000 Japanese estimates vary on that. All this for eight square miles of land, roughly the same footprint as the city of Decatur. Why was there so much bloodshed for these just tiny little insignificant specks of dirt out in the middle of the Pacific? Because the Americans and the Japanese, they knew how important these little places were. Because airplanes couldn't fly very far. They had to reload. They had to refuel. They needed places to refuel their ships and supply dumps. And that made all these little places so valuable, so important, that thousands of people would die trying to control an insignificant little speck of land. You can judge the value of something by the battle fought over it. That is true for the human soul. On one side, you have Satan. By the way, he tried to murder the human race all the way back in the Garden of Eden when he introduced sin, when he tempted Eve. 
He has developed false religion. He's waged wars to keep people blinded to the truth, blinded by his lies. By the way, oftentimes it seems that he is winning. Yet on the other side, you have God. And by the way, he will be victorious. I love it. We did that this morning at Sunday school. We talked about the second coming of Christ. He's coming. He's going to win. He's going to rule and reign. He will be victorious. Satan will be defeated. Sin will be vanquished. Right will prevail. You think you're not valuable? God's on one side. He's fighting for you. Satan's on the other side. He's fighting for you. The battle proves we're valuable. The battle proves that we are valuable. The third thing I want to say is a human soul is valuable because of its trade value. Used to collect baseball cards. It was a waste of time and effort and money, but I enjoyed it. And I never got real serious. I just liked opening them up and finding Rangers. You know, even if it was a guy that sat on the bench, like, oh, it's a Rangers card. You know, I, I collected as a fan, not anything seriously. But the one thing about when you get into cards and things like that is uh, collecting things like that is everybody wants to trade. I hated to trade. I didn't want to trade. I like my cards. I don't care. I may have wanted that card, but I like my cards more. I, I'm just. I was never good at trading. But one time, the one, in fact, it's the only time I remember trading any kind of cards was in middle school. And a friend of mine had some um, college football cards. And he had some for that, that were a couple of Aggies. And I was pretty diehard maroon back then for the Aggies. And uh, now those cards worthless i mean but they were aggie cards and like i said i collected as a fan uh one of them i remember one of them was leslie frazier and if you even remember who leslie frazier is a defensive back which you don't which shows you how insignificant that card is <laughs> but uh, just a couple of cards and he's like oh, okay you don't trade and i'm like yes i want those cards i said well who do you like and he told me i came here with some baseball player he liked and i'm like okay i'll trade you some cards so i trade them a handful of cards for a few cards and somebody said what are you doing that's crazy he said, you're getting the wrong end of the deal. I was like, well, I don't think I am. I wanted those cards. Um, to me, those Aggie football cards were worth more, far more than what, what I traded for them. It's basic economics. It's a barter system. What's the value of something? What you can trade for it. Well, the Bible places a large trade value on the human soul. In Mark 8:36, Christ says, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Did you catch that? Here's the trade. A soul. The entire world. All the gold, all the fame, all the wealth. Everything this world can offer. Which is worth more. And it's not even close to a fair swap. The soul is more infinitely valuable than all the world. By the way, than all the universe. Imagine trading a penny for a continent. If they were to come to you and say, we'll give you the whole continent of South America if you'll give me a penny. You're like, oh, well, hey, that's a good trade. Listen, that's a pretty foolish trade. It's unbalanced. But how much more is it to trade a human soul for anything? That's how valuable a human soul is. By trade value, it is matchless. 
And fourth, I want to say a human soul is valuable because of the price paid for it. Because of the price paid for it. In June 2007, if you were a big geek like me, although I was not on this bandwagon at all at the time, but if in June 2007 you could have gone and bought the very first iPhone as it came out, and there was two versions of it, but the, the lower one had four gigabytes of storage. Ooh, four gigabytes of storage. $499, because well, I think it was AT&T exclusive, if I remember right. And, uh, but anyway, you, you could have bought the brand new low-end iPhone for $499. What a bargain, what a bargain. Within a few years, obsolete. Uh, I was, somebody had like a, a drive once and people donating stuff, and I don't you know where it was, it wasn't up here, but somebody gave some old iPhones, and they're like, I got a couple of them. Like, these things are worthless. They basically threw them in the trash. Like, nobody wants these things. If you, uh, in fact, if you were to have still have one of those today, if it still worked, it wouldn't even work with our modern systems. We've upgraded. We're on 4G, 5G. That's like 2G <laughs> on those things. It was a big deal when they came out 3G. Geeking out. If you were to buy one day, I mean, basically worthless. I mean, it's a brick is what we'd say. It's a brick. It's worthless. But just a few days ago, this was all over the news, one of these very first iPhones came up for auction. It had belonged to one of the engineers from Apple, shrink-wrapped in the box, never opened. One of these, and, and, and it was the low end, which evidently was more rare because nobody bought them, so they discontinued them. So it's an iPhone nobody wanted that's obsolete, and here it is, up for auction. How much did it go for? Just shy of $160,000. Why is it worth that much? Well, it's useless, except as a collectible. Why is it worth that much? Because somebody has too much money, and somebody said, I will pay that much money for it. That's why it's valuable, because somebody said, I want it, and they'll pay that much for it. I mean, somebody else wanted to pay almost that much, because it was an auction. In 1952, I was reading this up, and I think I got this right. Maybe one of y'all can correct me, but you could have bought a pack of Topps baseball cards for the gum for a nickel. That's the price I came up with. I looked, I had no clue, but evidently it's a nickel. You could have bought a pack of Topps baseball cards with a stick of gum in them. In August of 2022, just one of those cards, the most famous, the 1952 Mickey Mantle, sold for $12.6 million. Now, in that 70 years, cardboard did not go up in value. Ink didn't go up in value. Why is it worth that much? Because someone would pay that much for it. How do I know the human soul is valuable? Look at the price that was paid for it. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God commended. That means he's showing. He's expressing. He's illustrating. His love towards us. In that while we were yet sinners, we, weren't, we were unlovable. We're not talking about mint in box. We're talking about 
used by a toddler and left outside to rot. That's the condition we were in. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not just any life given, but the life of the Son of God. Not just any death, but the agony of Calvary. How much is a human soul worth? It's worth the death of the Son of God. A few statements here to wrap up. First off, never ever give in to the lie that you are worthless. Never ever give in to that lie. Never give in to the lie that you're not loved. Never give in to the lie that you don't matter. These are deceptions. These are not true. You may feel that way. And I, I, I understand that. I, I recognize that. But just because you feel that way does not mean it's the truth. And all the truth of Scripture says, we are so valuable in the eyes of God. Second, there's a great need out there for people to hear this very message. I'm telling you, so much of this craziness that's going on in this world today is because people think they're worthless, as they are. I have to change. I, I, what God made me isn't good enough. I have to be something else. The way my hair is is not good enough. I have to be something else. The way my personality is is not good enough. I have to be something else. People are being told and taught they're worthless. And by the way, our society places a very low value on human life. Abortion. We count human life as nothing in our society. People need to hear that they're not worthless. People need to hear that in the eyes of Almighty God, they are so valuable, that they are so loved, that God wants them, that God made them, that God has a plan for them, and that God wants to save them. And I will say this, I don't care who you are, what you've done, you're still valuable to God. I was kind of joking around that, uh, you know, the, these auctions and things, and I'll tell you, the, the, when you get into collecting the coins and baseball cards and things, it, it gets a little bit silly to me, because those baseball cards, they'll send them off and they'll get them graded, like PSA grade, and they'll they'll give them a oh this is an eight and this is a nine point five, and you hardly ever see a perfect ten because there's a little bitty scratch right here on the corner. Uh, most of my baseball cards, I don't know what they rank. They had corners bent and all this kind of stuff. Most valuable card I ever got. As soon as I opened the package, I stuck it in my pocket. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, that's a that's a whole different story. But just these little blemishes. Why was that? By the way, why was that Mickey Mantle card I mentioned worth so much? Is because it was like graded like a 9.5. It was almost pristine, almost perfect. Most of those cards, we were kidding around with somebody. Everybody stuck them in their uh, bicycle spokes back then. And that card is worth millions. If you have one like that, it ain't worth millions because it's all bent up, it's all beat up, and stuff like that. Because it loses its value because it's damaged. So people look at God and they say, "Well, God couldn't love me because I'm damaged." That's not the truth. I already read you the verse, Romans 5, 8. God commends his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, 
what the prophet Isaiah describes, all our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight, repulsive to the sight of God. Yet he still loved us in that unlovely state that he died for us. What a thought. What a thought. Even in our brokenness, God says, I love that. I want that. I close as the musicians come. Just simple question. Do you know how valuable you are this morning to God? Do you know how valuable you are this morning to God? He loved us enough to send His only Son to die a cruel, horrific death. In fact, I think you read the Bible, all of human history revolves around the redemption of mankind. No accident. God wants us to know He loves us. God wants us to know, yes, we're sinners, but He loves us. He's taking care of the price. He offers that free gift of salvation for us if we'll just accept it. That's how much He loves us. That's how valuable we are. That He wants us. I hope that you have received that free gift this morning. Become a child of God. Become a joint heir with Christ. Become heir to all the blessings of heaven. Can't say you're not valuable can't say you're not valuable if you know what God did for us and what He does for us, what He will do for us. How much is a human soul worth? It's worth everything. In the eyes of God, worth everything. What number there, Owen? 85. Number 85 in the, where's it got? The Heavenly Highways. I was like, I thought that was bad signal for a second. In the Heavenly Highways. If you'll stand, please, we'll have a, 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 a short time of invitation this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, simple, simple message this morning. Lord, as we look around this world, we see the hopelessness. The hopelessness, if we're not careful, creeps into our own hearts. Lord, it's good to remind us that in your economy, we, we're priceless. We're not worthless. Lord, that you gave your everything for our salvation. Lord, it's a message we need in our hearts, a message we need to cling to through the storms of life, but it's a message we need to get out to the world, the community around us, to the mission fields and far-off places. Lord, this world needs to hear this simple message. You're not worthless. God loves you. Lord, help us to bear that as we go through our lives. Help this church bear that message. Lord, challenge a simple, simple message this morning, I know. Lord, let us know the true value of the human soul and live our lives accordingly. Speak to us in this invitation time, I pray in the holy name.